SMQBs episode 114. We're coming to you uh, recapping the F1 Miami Grand Prix. Uh, we go over NBA playoffs, cover everything that's happening there, have a uh, serious conversation about the Kentucky Derby and what's happening, unfortunately, with the horses at the Derby, punchable face of the week, lasso moment, and a couple of really good buzzer beaters. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and leave us five stars. Thanks for listening. SMQB's episode 114. Feeling a little rough today after the uh, Miami Grand Prix weekend extravaganza uh, brought to us by our friends at Assembly. So, crypto.com. Crypto.com. Um, 114. I guess that's the points the Celtics had in beating the Sixers the other night for, for a 2 1 lead. 114-102, isn't that right? Guess you were had a little too much to drink to miss last night's game. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say it didn't age well, man. I think it's I know, I think it's caught up now, right? So you too. We have yeah. some good NBA playoffs. I'm sure we'll talk about that today. We have yeah. some really good NBA playoffs. Yeah, there's good, there is good playoff stuff to talk good about. Playoffs, so. bad coaching. Yes. Interesting. That'll be interesting. Well, we're gonna start with uh with F1. We had a number of uh, your SMQB correspondents who were present uh, for the race. Um, <clears throat> I guess I'll get it started and just and just sort of tee it up a little bit that maybe the the most interesting thing that happened all weekend was that because Charles Leclerc crashed out with three and a half minutes to go in Q3, uh, the grid setup was a little was a little wacky. Um, you had Max Verstappen at night on the grid. Um, and really because you didn't get to do was real let it loose flying lap out there uh, at the end of the day. And the guys who went out and, and you know, banked the fast lap early got good grid position compared to those who didn't get a fast lap in like Max. Um, so you had him starting in ninth. Uh, and I don't think that made one bit of difference in who the favorite was going to be. And it certainly played out that way or the outcome. Right. And it played out that way. Um, and believe it or not, I, I think that that is the first time somebody from ninth place on the grid has won an F1 Grand Prix. Really? I, I, I recall. I thought I recall Lewis doing that from 10th place a year or two ago. Oh, People have won further back. I think you're just saying ninth. Oh, you're just saying from ninth. Yeah. From ninth. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But, but like, first of all, I'm very curious, very, very curious about your experience there and how much info you have relative to the people on TV. So, for example, we see on TV all the different <clears throat> tire uh, styles that they're using. Did you know? when Max was starting that he started on hards. Yeah, we knew that because there's a TV um, right where we were. Um, but we don't know it from just watching the race. It's hard to hear the announcer. You get, you get better information from the TV at, on things like that. What I'll, what I'll tell you, you can't appreciate it all from the TV. It's just how fast these cars go. I mean, I've been watching F1 now with all of you guys for three years. When you when you see these cars open it up on a straightaway, it's a blur. You're just basically watching a blur of color go by. It's so fast. It's just amazing. Yeah, Nace sent a video. I don't know where you were, but it captured what you're talking about. I mean, it, just on video, it was unbelievable. Like, yeah, the fact that there's a human being in that vehicle is is crazy. I mean, it's just yeah, a it snap is. of your finger. Uh, so, um, you guys watch some undercard stuff including a Porsche race, right? Yeah. So. Which included some amateurs. By the Are way. there really? always undercards? Yeah. 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 
yeah, yeah. What is the what's the speed comparison like as you're watching it and the blur of a Porsche versus an F1 car? Well, I looked it up actually, um, and they say that those Carrera, the cars competing in the Carrera Cup, which is what it what it was, um, their top speed is about 175 miles an hour, uh, and the the F1 cars hit a top speed. I think they said it. I think the fastest top speed of the weekend was 207. But they're all over 220. I don't know if they got that high, but maybe 212. Uh, But anyway, those, you know, so those during the race, the F1 cars are they're getting over 200 miles an hour on the straightaways with the DRS open and, and then on the straightaways. So they are faster. I think the real performance difference because that doesn't sound like that much right 175 to i think the real performance difference is the turns i think that the f1s take some of those turns twice as fast as the porsches do you know also interestingly the porsches are louder than the f1s i found but but one thing we could definitely tell from another thing from just just aside from the speed is where we were se- where we were seated. I forget what turn number we were. Bison will know. Three, yeah. They're coming out of an S turn into a short straightaway, followed up by a right hand curve. You could tell the better drivers by how they set up to take that curve at the end of the straightaway. But you know the good ones are taking it in tight, and the drivers on the, on the Haas team and the others are like taking a big wide turn and losing a fraction of a second on each turn doing that. And you can see it really well in person. Well, it it is an experience to be at. I mean, the noise and the the sound and the speed, it's, it really is just an unbelievable experience to to see. How many people went to this one? Do they have an attendance? Uh, I don't know. Let me see if I can figure that out. I had never, they they beat the, they beat the attendance record from the first year. They did right. announce that. How is You're the worried, track worried that it there. wasn't going to happen? I mean, like, where isn't it? It's near the stadium, right? The football stadium. It's around the stadium. It's yeah. around the stadium. Okay. It's incorporated yeah. into the stadium. Yeah. Do the drivers makes viewing even in, harder? Do they like like this track? You know, what are their thoughts on it? So after last year, they basically called it a Mickey Mouse shit, and <laughs> and um. And they repay, they did an entire new track, new surface this year. They took, you know, three inches off of the old surface and worked with a company that specializes in Formula One tracks, basically brought them in. Um, I, I don't, I haven't heard uh, any feedback yet, but I'll tell you, it was also much, much cooler this year than last year. And I'm sure that that may have had something to do with it, but they just had a bad track last year. I don't know how that happens, but they had like after the first two qualifying sessions last year, they had to do track repairs because it was getting eaten up so much. Like yeah. I don't know how that happens when you've been planning for years and years and years to bring a race, but they they resurfaced the whole thing this year. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they think of it. I mean, I have I have a question for all of you. Now that now that Red Bull is so clearly head and shoulders better than everyone else, do you think the sport's in danger of becoming a little bit boring to some of the fans? I mean, there's there, no competition anymore. I, I literally thought that question during the race. I was like, is this was this gonna be like a little pandemic bump? The people got into it and they're all crazy, but now it's boring because it's just but. Uh, you know, when you think about it, yes, Max started to come on, but Mercedes did the same thing, and it was very, very popular. I think the real question will come, does – there are still some more rule changes coming, and it's supposed to create more parity. I think if this were to go on for two or three years straight and they just dominated with the two drivers and Red Bull winning and coming first and second every race, I think you're right. I think people would start to get bored with it. Yeah, they they need yeah. to do something in the sport to create parity because it's a rocket ship they're driving. The dri- their drivers are better too. The, you know, like one thing we saw from that Leclerc crash is he's not quite ready to be a champion. He makes too many mistakes. 
It just does. Yeah. Here's my question that I have for you guys that are there. So the other thing I saw on TV, of course, is that you see the, you see the um, interval of time between them. And so, okay, so Max and Checo are out 15, 16, 17 seconds ahead of everybody else. Did you pay attention to that? Like, does it yeah. feel like 15, 16 seconds? Does it feel yeah. like, man, yeah. where is everybody else? It seems like an eternity. Yeah. And then the and then the interesting thing is how much time does Max need to extend that gap in order to pit and come out ahead of Checo? And he just barely missed it, but he was only like a second, he's less than two seconds behind him and was and had DRS and fresh tires. So he was able to catch him quickly. Yeah. Okay. So what do they say? It takes 20 to 22 seconds you lose in a pit stop. And so um, you know, w- w- they were watching that when Max was was leading for so long, he was only could only get to 18 seconds in front of in front of Checo, who had already pitted. And so, you know, you you knew he, he just couldn't get away, he couldn't get to that 20 second spot. So they sort of figured they had to bring him in and they, you know, because you have to, you're required to pit once. Uh, changed tires once so when they brought him in Checo took over the lead again he he Checo got around before Max was out but Max was close enough that between a you know being I think a better driver and the fresh tires and the DRS uh it wasn't it was only a matter of time did the announcers um on TV say anything about whether there was speculation that Red Bull brought Checo in too soon for his pit. Yeah. I mean, there was a little bit of a question about that. Uh, I, I think they kind of just knew that the way this was set up, it's kind of ironic what, what Bison was saying at the top. I think the fact that uh, they didn't finish qualifying gave Max an advantage to start on those hards. I just think it allowed him to be out there forever. Um, what 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 lap was it? Forty forty one that he yeah, came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seemed like if there wasn't the rule, he wouldn't even have pitted. Crazy. What kind of fan experience? Like besides the the, the race itself, like are there cool things that you can do? Are the do you like? Do they give fan experiences? Yeah, they do. I mean, one thing you got to realize is the campus. The footprint of the track is enormous. I mean, the the stadium is like one little tiny part of, of what's happening there. It's a football stadium. I mean, right? It's an enormous facility, and it just sort of blends in to everything else almost. Um, so they had a lot of stuff. I mean, they had like, you know, the pit challenge where you could go and, and swap a tire. Um, they had a lot of different places had you know, games set up where you, you know, um, like video game uh, rigs and things like that for you to drive. Um, we did one day, we walked into a pop-up place away from the facility in, in one of the neighborhoods here in Miami. And um, they had the light test, the reaction time test where they flash a light and you have to, you have to hit it. And that was kind of fun. Uh, I, was, I was drunk and I'd scored half as many as bison. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That is true. <laughs> Good for you, man. Good for you. <laughs> so, yeah, so they do that. I, you know, I was I'm really surprised to hear that the attendance, there was more attendance this year than last year. It didn't feel to me like the excitement and the extravaganza that was last year. Um, you know, last year, Miami had this insane buzz around town about Formula One. And you know you had you had the pictures of Jordan and Beckham and and Lewis and and Brady all there and Michelle Obama was here and and I mean it was just everything and and this year it didn't quite feel that way. Um, some of the celebrities that were here, Tom Cruise, Queen Latifah, Shakira, uh, uh, Ludacris, the, the Williams sisters, Roger Federer. Uh, the Mahomes. Mahomes, yeah. No, Mahomes was at the uh was he here? He was at the uh Kentucky yeah, he was here. Derby, I thought. No, no, yeah, he, he was, was here. at the Derby. Oh, he C- did. C- 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 Lamb uh and Dak Prescott were here too. 
Dak. Yeah, we think we crossed by Dak in a restaurant. Um, Did, oh, really? Interesting. We just missed them. Yeah, we think we just missed them. So, um, so anyway, I'll be really curious. I, I, I um, there was one bit of news, and I don't know if you all heard it on the broadcast, but they said that the Miami Grand Prix is in talks with F1 about doing a night race. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. So they they said that at the stadium or at the at the track yesterday. Now they would have to build out lighting. And so I don't know when that would happen. And I don't know. I don't know what prompted that, if it's the heat or what. But that'd be wicked. A night race. That'd be so wicked. Yeah. So anyway, um, but, you know, as we kind of predicted, the only drama right now in F1 is the is can Checo catch his teammate. And it's certainly this was not a good showing yeah. uh, for Checo in that regard. Right. I mean, this he, was he supposed to be more like weekend, a street but, race. Yeah. And that's um, his forte. Yep. So well, it was interesting. They asked uh, there was so much. I feel like there was extended pre-race coverage because it i don't know maybe i'm wrong but they asked um alonzo if he thought he could actually win a race this year and he was describing you know the available tracks where there it's a little bit you know because their car doesn't do very well apparently on the straightaways and so they need a little bit more uh tighter tracks so he was talking about you know like um monaco and a couple of the others I wonder where Miami falls in all of that. It didn't look like it was super tight. It looked like there were some passing chances. It looked like it was kind of in the middle of, of all of them. Yeah, I don't know. But, I, you know, look, I guess, like, I, I heard Alonzo say one thing, too, that was interesting about that was he felt like he was still looking in his rearview rear mirror worried about Mercedes and Ferrari more so than looking ahead at the Red Bulls. So he's he feels like they're closer to them than, than they are to the Red Bulls at this point. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, and maybe the last word on this for today, the race wasn't very exciting. Um, you know, it's exciting to be there. But as far as an actual race goes, there weren't a lot of overtakes. There wasn't a lot of drama. There was not a no yellow flags or no red flags. Um, and that's two years in a row without a very exciting race. And I don't know if that's because of the track uh, or because of Red Bull or, or what it is right now, but they got to come up with a way to make this race exciting and not yeah. just an event. Because yep. if it's just an event, it will wear off. It's got to be a good sporting event. Um, and so I'll, I'll be curious to see if they make any changes or do anything with the circuit to, to try and make it more competitive. And I mean, the race was over in an hour and a half. Because but isn't, it, isn't it, isn't F1 always going to be, if you go to go there, depending on where you are, I guess, an event, I mean, you don't, I mean, how much of the race did you guys actually see, right? Like you see one little portion, one little section. Right. It just feels like a, it feels like, yeah. a, it feels but, like a, Hey, I'm going to F1 on Sunday. It's, but you know, they had so many TVs around that you are watching yeah, the race true. this year, which was a big improvement over last year. And, you know, again, there's just, there wasn't any drama. I mean, they're, they're just, well, even, even Max passing Perez at the end, it was kind of like they waved at each other as he went by him, you know, gave you the thumbs up, same team. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I don't know. I think that's it on F1. Unless anybody else negative. Glad you guys okay. went. It looked like an awesome yeah. time. Yeah, it was fun. It was it was definitely a good time. So um, and while that was happening, of course, we have uh, the NBA playoffs house, right? And and you're you're you and Rooster are in the thick of this here. What's going on? We are in the thick of it. I think both hanging on by the skin of our teeth. Uh, it's very, very stressful. I mean, it's like really, really stressful. The Sixers, I think, really blew an opportunity 
uh, to win both the games at home. We knew that we weren't going to win both of them in Boston. Uh, we snuck away with that game one win, got blown out in game two, and had a chance in the fourth and just didn't play well. But, but, uh, and it, the real shame of it was, and, and I have up for, the, for those who are uh, listening on a podcast and don't see the background, you'll check it out on, on YouTube. But hopefully, y'all saw the MVP award given to Embiid before the game. It was pretty cool. He brought his parents over from Cameroon, and uh, then he saw his, his kid, Arthur. Uh, as he was giving a speech and then Arthur wanted to be with his daddy and he ran up and, and B just broke down in tears. It was a pretty great moment. It was really, you could see, you know, this giant of a man, you could see like his humanity in that moment. And uh, it's just a shame that he couldn't pull off that game three win after having gotten the MVP. But yesterday Harden was just out of this world after having played like crap and they should have won it easy. They were up by 15 in the third and then let Boston back into the game. Boston is such incredibly tenacious D on the perimeter. The Sixers problem, and I've been having all these, you know, text little fights with our fellow Sixers fans up here in Philly. They're, they're just a pick and roll team between it's a two man game. So when you're in the fourth quarter and you're trying to hold on for dear life, where you're trying to get back the lead after you're down two or three points, Harden gets the ball and either tries to shimmy and shoot or it's a pick and roll for to get the ball to Embiid. The other three players on the floor are almost irrelevant, and that's a problem. That's not sustainable against this team. I think we're going to get blown out in game five. Maybe we win game six, and, uh, and, I, and, and you know we'll see if they can put it together for game seven. It's just the worst team that matches up to us. Horford is the only guy that gets in Embiid's head. Nobody else does. He was in Embiid's head again in the fourth quarter. And it's tough. But the other series are great. I mean, this Gold State LA series is great. The Knicks-Miami series is great. And yesterday, the Suns coming back to even up against yeah. Jokic. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's these are some great series. Did you guys there get are, to watch any of it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you could scored 53 points and they lost. Yeah. There really are, are to me, there's three players who are well, I guess I could add make make it four, but there's there's three or four players who are critical to what happens in these games. Anthony Davis, Booker. Well, I've got Harden and Chris Paul because he's not playing. Interesting, and, and I was going to add Jimmy Butler to that, but I think those three guys, depending, I mean, this the where would the Sixers be without Harden? It'd be three zero, wouldn't it? Mm, I, mean, I mean, he's been clutching in, and Beat played well enough in Game Three for them to win. Harden played like crap. I mean, yeah, but he hit a big shot, didn't he? You could I say mean, if Harden, if you could say if Harden played really well, they could be up three one. Well, that's that's okay. So that's there you go. That's my point too. I mean, the team seems to the teams seem to live and die by those players, um, particularly Davis in in LA. Uh, he is True. by far the most important player on the court as far as how that series turns out. That's true. I was just saying Booker's playing out of his mind. I think he's playing like one of the top three to five players in the league in this playoffs. But I think it's time to talk about the coaching that we've seen, particularly on my Knicks. I'm sounding like a broken record here saying that the Knicks win when they play team offense. And every time they decide to let Jalen Brunson dribble around, going, you know, guarded by two, three guys, and he refuses to pass the ball, and his, his teammates just decide they're going to stand around and watch that, they lose. And, and for Tom Thibodeau to just not – take him aside and say, you can't do this or I'm going to bench you. That's on him. I, I just think, I just think he's doing a bad job with Brunson. And I think uh, Joe Missoula on the Celtics is not ready to be a playoff coach. He just isn't there. There's no way that James Harden should be standing open in the corner of the three point line down two in overtime. 
let them tie the game and go into another overtime. You're you're a deeper team. You have a better bench. Don't, yeah, two, don't tr- double team uh, um, and beat in, in the paint with off of Harden's guy. That's stupid. Call a timeout and make it clear. You can't do that. Mazzullo had two possessions at the end of regulation and in overtime where he sat on timeouts in his pocket and never used them. Mm. I don't, I don't, I just don't get that. They were, they were down uh, after Harden hit that shot to take the lead. There was 18 seconds. And I, I think he didn't want maybe the Sixers to be able to get in the Anthony Melton. Cause they, they, they knew that both Harden and Maxi, who are poor defenders were on the floor. But I, I agree with you, Rooster. I think, the crazy thing is the Celtics could win this series, could steamroll either the Heat or the Knicks, play for the yeah. finals, and, and we're calling him a bad coach. But I agree. He made some questionable decisions. He really did. This, this, you know, His first coaching job in the NBA was as an assistant with the Celtics in 2019. Before yeah. that, he was the head coach of Fairmont State. Before that, he was an assistant at Glenville State and then at some – you know, D-League or whatever, Maine Red Claws. So he had one head coaching job, which was at Fairmont State. And his first head coaching job is a couple, couple three years after he enters the league. I mean, Ime Adoka really put the Celtics in a bad spot, but they, they need to do a better job of replacing him. They couldn't elevate that guy. He wasn't ready. Rooster, back to the Knicks. Like, so I'm a, I'm a Brunson fan. Uh, I mean, who who's he really supposed to distribute the ball to? Who's a true offensive weapon on that team? Like, I feel like he doesn't have any other choice but to put the team on his shoulders. When they run a motion offense, I think they ought to have – well, Quickly's hurt. That's the problem. I think Quickly ought to be the point guard. Brunson should be more of a shooting guard. When they run a motion offense and kick to an open guy for a three every now and then, it opens up the paint for Brunson to, you know – drive into the paint and do his moves and put up a floater or whatever. But when they're packing the paint because they know that's the only offense and they're double teaming Brunson and he's still putting his head down trying to get into the paint, it just doesn't make sense. And then the offense becomes stagnant. Randall can be hot any given night. Randall could score you 30 to 40 any given night and uh, quickly to score. They do some good. They have some good alley oop plays to uh, Robinson, Mitchell Robinson, and then and and Obi too. Obi Toppin just runs a good alley oop and can hit some threes. I mean, they're not a great shooting team. That that's the problem, as you as you point out. But they can't just be stagnant. It's ne- it's never worked. Well, the one that I'm really the most fixated on, obviously, besides the Sixers. I, I I thought Denver had this Phoenix team dead to rights. Mm-hmm. I I thought Phoenix looked like such garbage in those first two games, but they really showed me something. Yeah, and I would love to see that series go seven. And I'm really not sure. I I really am not sure now who wins that series because I think they're saying we'll get we'll give Jokic his, and yeah. you know try to shut down everybody else. I it's a great that's going to be a, just a great great finish. Is he getting suspended? No, I don't. No way. They they announced he's not suspended. Okay, they now they did announce it. Okay, yeah. Even even Ishbia said, "Don't suspend him. He doesn't deserve to be suspended." Right. He's Uh, fined twenty five thousand. The longer that series goes, the worse it is for the Nuggets, who have also have a very shallow bench. Yeah, yeah. Who do you guys have in the East and West Finals? I mean, I'm assuming by the next podcast, these series are all over. I'm going. I'm going Celtics Suns. Wow. Um, oh, so you went right to the you went all the way to the NBA Finals. No, no, no. I'm in. I'm in the East and West. Finals. Yeah, uh, Milk wants the uh, who's coming out of these yeah, yeah, series. Yeah. Uh, heat, 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 uh, Celtics in the East. Uh, Suns. I'm going to say Warriors, even though they're down two to one in the West. Now. Can the Heat hang with either the Sixers or the um, Celtics? Yes. I, they can. They shouldn't have been able to hang with anyone in the playoffs, and they are. So I guess the answer is yes. 
I think they'd have a much easier time hanging with the Sixers. I think the Celtics will have a tough time with, but I think it's going to be Celtics heat. And I, I have the opposite of Roostra. I, I, I have the nuggets pulling it out. I think home court will matter. And I think the Lakers are going to do it. I think LeBron is just wow. LeBron. I think the Lakers are going to do it. That so, would be kind of crazy. Wouldn't it? I mean, I yeah. insane. Like it would be absolutely roster, insane. I mean, the fact that you what, guys discounted that team all season. Well, no, wait, wait, wait on the you guys thing there. Wait on the you guys there. Somebody oh, on here was awesome. on the somebody on here was on the bandwagon a Some, lot. Somebody has a little man love for LeBron. Uh, well, yeah, I, 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 yeah, it turned out okay. So, who do you have, Milk? I'm not. I'm. I like the Lakers, obviously. Um, I'm not giving up on the Sixers, though. I think that win was huge, man. It's a big one. But Boston, Boston's a venomous place to play. Wait, what, what? What do you mean? Obviously, I like the Lakers. I, I yeah, thought you're LeBron Hater. Because <laughs> that's don't all people who don't follow the NBA like the Lakers? Uh, <laughs> well, listen, like I the got Lakers or the Celtics, right? Are they I've other? got I've got the Heat and the Sixers. Yeah, I like that. And then. I'm going Lakers, Suns to set up the matchup of KD versus LeBron. That, oh, we had that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we've seen. We haven't seen. We that must really, have seen that. Was he on one he, of the Golden State Cleveland? Yeah, matchups? did they beat? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think one did. of them was against. Hope would know that one for sure. This is going to be awesome when it's Lakers Celtics finals. This is like my dream. I can't wait. Well, that would actually be a throwback. That would be kind of fun. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. All right. Anything else on NBA? Well, we got to talk, moving on then, a little bit about the Kentucky Derby. And unfortunately, I'm not sure that the racing is is, uh, really what, what should be the focus. Um, we had the 149 running on Saturday. Um, Toby, you, you seem to, uh, I think you had a lucky pick there, right? Did you nail the winner? Should have listened yeah, to baby. house. Try to make you guys some money, but I what don't know. Him? What I, was that horse's odds? It's 15 to one. 15? I thought it was yeah. one. Okay. What was it? Madge? Yeah. Mage. Mage. He, he, Mage. Here's the thing. I mean, it was definitely marred. The race and racing is marred by kind of the barbaric nature of the sport where five or six horses got killed, had to be euthanized that week. Um, One was like horrible. One was like the the horse was like jumping up and down because they couldn't settle him and the the horse broke its own neck. Um, A lot lot of foot injuries. I, I just... I really hoping you guys can help me resolve because I feel torn over this. I used to love, love horse racing, going to the track, even learning a little bit about, you know, the handicapping of all this stuff. But I do feel a little conflicted right now about where this sport has been going over the last few years. It's a lot, a lot of deaths. Uh, where do you guys come down on this? You mean, you mean five days before we all, before, uh, Four of the five SMQBs go to Churchill Downs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you better yeah. watch what you say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, look, here's Milk. My you take here. this one. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, you make a good point about the, the physical nature of it, but, but just overall horse racing. You know what I feel like? I feel like we used to watch horse racing to see if someone was going to win the triple crown, like the triple crown used because they went like 30, 40 years without one. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there was like, what, two, two or three years where, where they won. It happened twice. And I, I, it's, I don't know anymore. Like there's that, what do you know? There, that's not really a big deal anymore. It's become an event to me. Like the Kentucky Derby is an event. It's a party. And it's a party and that's what it is. And that's great. And, but you know, to your point, what what are we doing with I mean the, these injuries and I don't know why if there's more than there used to be or we just know about it now. Um, 
Uh, I mean, seven deaths in a, in a weekend. Seven, seven deaths in a weekend or a week is, is extraordinary. And, you know, I think this may be a situation where you don't have to uh, condemn the sport as, as a sport or the Kentucky Derby. But maybe this is a situation of who are the people running it? Who are the trainers? Who are the owners? Um, if you want this sport to be great, then you have to you have to care for these animals. Um, who, are the, who are the athletes? And maybe these folks just can't uh, govern themselves appropriately. I'm sure that's and, what's and so they're they're going to so, go the way of, of boxing soon. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's it, a great it, it point. It feels like boxing. It feels like boxing now. Doesn't feel like boxing, but you know what? Like we have people. Maybe it's not direct that they're dying the week of but we have people that are like committing suicide from cte you know get basically going and we're still watching like we can't get enough of heads bashing into one another in football i i know it's not apples to apples but still that's where i'm like a little torn part of sports is it's physical and it's going to result in injuries. And the case of an animal like a horse, it could even result in death. For football players, it results in death too. It's just 30 years delayed. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the problem with that analogy is that football players grew up dreaming of being a football player and making money being a football player. Horses don't have a choice. Yeah. Well, unless you say that some animals are bred to be certain things. Some dogs are bred to be certain things. Some horses are bred to be thoroughbreds. You know, they're, that's just how they come out, ready to race. Yeah. Although they don't do greyhound racing anymore, right? It's true. Not really. I don't think so. Well, I, I hope there's some, there's some buddy comes in and does an investigation on this. And I hope people are, you know, this, this can't be coincidence. Right. I don't know if they're using different drugs to train these animals or, or whatever, but something has to happen because it 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 ruins it. You know, it takes the luster off of the event. Uh, and, and you know, that's seems like ultimately you just you don't want these. These things can be great events, but you got to get your shit together. They're fun as shit, by the way. Like yeah. if you've ever been to one yeah. of the Triple Crown races, like great time. Um, so it's unfortunate. All right. Anything else on on the Derby? I'm going to move on to cockfighting. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. Well, yeah. With that, it's time for the punchable face, isn't it? Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Kujay with the triumphant comeback. But tonight, don't call it a comeback. Someone's Rooster, got, I one. I got one. I think Rooster's got one. I have one. I have one. It's like a situational punch. Uh, this whole this whole run in. What in the actual fuck does that mean? It means there <laughs> lots of people get lots. Of, it means that lots of people are getting punched. It's it's going to be a melee. Uh, <laughs> a situation with Jokic and Jokic and the new owner of the Suns, Matt Ishbia, where. The ball goes out of bounds, and Jokic, Jokic, first of all, breaks NBA rules and goes into the stands uh, to get the ball. There's a rule that says if you do that, you're automatically ejected unless unless your momentum carries you into the into the stands. You're not allowed to do that after you know a couple of famous incidents. So he goes in there to get the ball. Wouldn't have helped him one bit to get the ball at that moment. There, the refs already blew the plate dead. They would have had to blown the whistle for an inbound to even occur at that point. So he, there was no urgency for him to get that ball. It shouldn't have been in there trying to grab it from a fan. At the same time, he didn't know this. The fan happened to be the owner of the Suns, the new owner of the Suns, Matt Ishbia, who, you know, if you're sitting there at a game and a ball comes into your lap, you throw it back. You throw it to the ref. You do something. You don't hold the ball and then try to keep it from the player. That's just dumb. And I don't know who the hell he thought he was. He's not a he's not a member of the Suns basketball team. He's the owner. 
and he shouldn't he should not have been in, interjecting himself into that play at all. Um, then of course Jokic gives him a little forearm. Uh, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even call just, it a forearm. Uh, just he a little forearm from a six. 10, yeah. 275 nudge. It was a nudge. It was a nudge. I love how you transitioned into that and really think, downplayed it. You think Ishbi was flopping there? He, flop, he threw his hands up and landed in the chair with his hands up. It was a complete flop. He should have been on in the Premier League after that play. And, <laughs> um, and by the way, Isaiah Thomas was standing there next to him, grabbing Jokic by the shirt. What the hell is Isaiah doing there? participating in that he must be begging for a job with the Suns right now after screwing up the Knicks for so many years um <laughs> it was just a shit show the whole thing was a shit show and if the, and if the NBA had had uh, suspended Jokic for that they would be in on the punch too so I'm I'm giving a roundhouse punch starting with Jokic then on to Ishbia and then Isaiah and I hope he doesn't get his buddies from the bad boys to retaliate wow all right First wow. time someone's three people have been punched with one punch. Yeah. Wow. He's capable of it. All right. Now, the person who really deserves the punchable face is the uh, announcer for the Oakland A's, Glenn oh. Kuyper. Oh, God. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. but he Why does this happen he, once a year? Yeah, he, he, he went to with Dallas Braden, the other, the other guy on the staff, on the announcing staff. I guess they went to the Kansas City Royals. Um, you know, they were doing the Kansas City Royals game, and the night before, they went to the Negro League, League uh, Museum. And he, in, instead of saying Negro, says the N-word. And then his apology was as lame as it could be. Oh, he's like, oh, it didn't come out the way I would want it to. Anybody who can't say the word Negro without saying the other word obviously says the other word a whole fucking lot. And yes. he deserves what he got. Because that, <laughs> that word would never slip out of my mouth. Yeah, I, I'm I, trying to say something else. I'm with you. I didn't I haven't heard it. So I don't know if he stuttered over his words and, and he didn't actually say it. I mean, it just sounded like such a strict like like the, the apology, the whole thing just didn't make any sense to me. It's all in the apology, too. Like if the you're apology like gave no context, it didn't right, even mention what happened. Upset. It's just like if you think that something I said didn't come out the way I wanted it to, I apologize. That's, That's just not an apology. That deserves the biggest punch. To your point, yeah. Richard, though, thank God no one actually heard it. Yes, <laughs> no, one, no one heard it. They, could, they should have said nothing because no one's listened to the A's Royals game anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he def- that's definitely a that's punch. Terrible. All right, let's get to some good news. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's seen this story. It is for all the, I don't know, crap that people used to give James Harden. I think we're really seeing what a decent guy he is. He, uh, I don't know the backstory and how he originally made the connection with this particular guy. But John Howe was a student at Michigan State in that terrible uh, gun violence that happened on campus, and he was paralyzed from it. And Hardin created a relationship with this guy, uh, calling him in the hospital and telling him to like keep his spirits up and just take it one day at a time and find every positive they could and just keep believing, keep believing. And I promise you, I'll get you tickets to a game. Well, of all the games, he gets John Howe. He gets tickets to game four of the Eastern Conference semifinals, yesterday's game, where Harden goes off. He absolutely goes off. And after the game was over, uh, Harden took off his shoes, signed his shoes, gave them to Howe, and said, you're the lucky charm, man. If you don't think you're not, you're coming back for game six. And I just thought the whole thing was, we talk about this all the time when we talk about the lasso. We, we need to see more examples like this when athletes show that they can really be human beings, care about people, and realize how they can lift other people up. I mean, this kid, he's, he's got a really, really tough life ahead of him. And this gives 
uh, a few really, really bright moments in his life. And Harden seems to be really genuine about the relationship with this guy. When you hear him talk to him, it, it, it's, it's really, really very special. It's very cool. That was a, that was a good lasso moment. Love it. Good one. Good one. And the other lassos. All right. Buzzer beaters. <laughs> Who's got one? Anyone? I, I got one. Go. <laughs> uh, yeah. <clears throat> Real quick. So um, have you guys ever like felt someone's heart explode and like hope come out of their body? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yesterday I felt like every ounce of his body kind of collapsed and I could feel it from Paul Miller in Toronto and Moose our correspondent from Canada who we were going to have on today, but he was emotionally unstable. Um, (laughs) Sam Reinhardt's goal for the Florida Panthers went in to give them a three, nothing lead against Toronto. Um, you gotta, I mean, it's really sad for what's happening in Toronto. I really do feel bad for them. I thought once they beat the Lightning that they were over the hump, but not only are they not only over the hump, they've gone backwards because they should absolutely not be down three nothing to this Florida Panthers team. But kudos to the Panthers. I, oh, I couldn't you believe- slap for using kudos. You're not I, supposed to be. Damn it. I couldn't believe they beat the Bruins. I can't believe they're up three nothing um, on Toronto. They look like they might be in route to a Stanley Cup. Uh, crazy stuff. But uh, I feel for you, Miller. We'll and the see. Kraken keep going too, baby. And the Kraken. And the Kraken. Yeah, I can't believe that one. Hey, yeah. another another shout out to a winner. Um, as all these European soccer leagues wind up, if you didn't see the scenes from Napoli. In Serie A, which is the top division of Italian soccer, you know, always it's Juventus, Inter Milan, AC Milan. That that's like they're unbeatable. It's hard to ever get past these teams. And Napoli hadn't won a title since 1990. And kind of like when we were talking about Wrexham, like what it can mean to a town if you could just watch the 30 seconds of fireworks exploding all over the town. It was. It was a sight to be seen. Congrats to Napoli on being champs of Serie A. It's a long time coming. That was Maradona's team. Uh, they're playing in Maradona Stadium. It's 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 really good for that for that league and for that community. Yep. I've got a quick question for Bison. What are your what are your commanders doing trying to coax Andrew Luck out of retirement? Ooh, that should have been a punch. <laughs> So, I, you know, it's funny because I, I saw the story, right, that they that that they tr- they gave a call around or something like that. And Rivera said that or, or somebody reported that, I guess. And then Ursay came out and said the team shouldn't be reaching out to him. Right. Yeah, is that what is that accusing you of tampering? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, you might be giving up a draft pick. nothing would surprise me nothing would surprise me but my buzzer beater is is uh about the happy football team in the nation's capital and that is that uh just you know we we won't record again before then but on saturday uh at 8 p.m on uh on espn or abc i guess on abc we have the xfl championship game with the DC <laughs> defenders, I think that's what they're called, right. taking on Arlington. Arlington, isn't they're this Arlington. on the Ocho? I thought it was on the, the Ocho. I mean, this the, is, the Renegades. The announcers are Glenn Kuyper and Dallas Braden. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! This is how low it gets. This is where Moose Jaw is headed. He's going to start paying attention to minor league hockey after a while. <laughs> Give us more info, Nace. Give us more info. <laughs> Well, the defenders online. <laughs> the defenders were nine and one this year, and the Arlington Renegades, um, who are shocking the world by they were four and six. The world, and um, mean, they, have, the two, they have they have to be the fifteen hundred people who show up and watch the game. Actually, it you know what I like two thousand rooster. 
I don't oh, think I've boy. watched any games, much of any any of this. You but bandwagon? They sell out. Uh, they they, they play. 20, they play at Audi Field, which is the new stadium for the uh, that was built for the um, uh, DC United United, the MLS team. But they've been selling it out. It's a brand new facility. Every game's packed, and people are loving. They what want real football teams? in their city. That, what are these yeah. two teams called again? The DC what? Defenders. And, and the Arlington Renegades. So one of these is going to be Pope's new favorite team pretty soon, right? right? <laughs> this is what happens <laughs> when really bad NFL. We had this in Tampa. The Bandits were more popular than the Bucks in the 80s. I, yeah, I, I remember that. I remember yeah. that. Look, it's football. And... Uh, DC's in the championship game. Good luck so, to the defenders and your esports team too. That's yeah, that's the, the DC Justice. <laughs> yes, that's the name of the esports team. Anybody got anything else? Uh, quick that's shout it, out. Baby. I don't know why uh, how we missed this, but don't we have to shout out to Ryan Reynolds for picking up a Vegas four day Vegas tab for Rexham? He did that. He did that. Well, he oh, sent wow. all the Rexham players to Vegas. They I didn't. I didn't even know that. Fucking bash like. All the night, they, I mean, it was just he basically paid for a four four night party. That's awesome. Also, you know, might have for, to give him a, for, might have to give him a punch though. Four nights in Vegas is way too many. Yeah, that's, he, that's one night too many. He has some, that's one night too many. He had an inst or something, some video. He's like, I'm just checking in to make sure everyone's alive. Um, can y'all like yeah. email me back? <laughs> it was pretty good for people, for people my age. I want to give a rest in peace to the great Vita Blue. Mm. Yeah, Vita Blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk. We'll tell you who that is later, Milk. I have no idea. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, you guys. That's it. Have a good weekend. SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.